This episode is brought to you by TwoLinedMusicCutStore.com. TwoLinedMusicCutStore.com is your all access to culture. Check out cultural merchandise like leggings, hats, mini boxing gloves, and bags. Also, t shirts like hip hop, nature, rock bands, reggae, and dark fantasy. Fast shipping worldwide. That's TwoLinedMusicCutStore.com. Now, let's check out this episode. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast. And today, we have a really special guest in the building. Listen, when you talk to artists from way back in the early 90s until right now, one name always comes around when it comes to New York. You know what we have in the building today? We have Mr. Johnny Wonder in the building today. What's going on, Big Boss? <laughs> What's up, Muscle? Good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here just working, you know, making it happen. My room in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) You know how it goes already. Thank you for joining us here on the Entertainment Report podcast today. Emma, thanks. Welcome. Thank you. No problem. You're welcome. On this podcast, we like to go right from the beginning and then bring it up right to 2021. So, my first question for you is this What background are you and where did you grow up? Italian, Brooklyn. I'm Italian from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. What was it like growing up in Brooklyn back in those times there? <laughs> well, you know, there's there was a lot of things in Brooklyn, but we, we from back then we, I was dealing with music, so I didn't really get into the gang stuff and all of that. You know, it was just it was growing up in Brooklyn was a thing. We also I was also a graffiti writer. I was a lot of things, you know, so. You know, I have all my art where it should be up now, but I'm in construction. But, you know, I used to do that, too. Mm-hmm. Famous graffiti writer in books and stuff. And, you know, I was just that's what we did in music, going to the clubs and writing graffiti and going to the Washington Square Park and playing soccer with the dreads and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and that's how I really got into the culture. You know what I mean? Like from Washington Square Park. You know, well, everybody used to be there, not only Jamaicans, but, you know, Jamaicans, Trini, Haitian, Guyanese, everybody, African, you know. But, everybody was out there. So, okay, even before we get there now, you growing up in Brooklyn and stuff, what growing up, what did you think you were going to get into? What did you think you were going to be? Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Well, mm-hmm. you know. I got into things, but I still had music as a focus. You know, I still wanted to do music. I used to sit on the stoop and compile records. You know what I mean? While I was doing other things, you know, that's just what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I did other things that I'm not going to mention. And, uh, but I still had music and art, you know what I mean? You know, so yeah. I spoke I more focused on that than anything else. And that got you. And when it even came to graffiti, what got you into graffiti and tagging and stuff like that? You know, just being around people that were doing it. And, you know, that was what was happening at the day, at the time, you know. And, you know, we just so happened to, you know, you know, link with other people and link up with the people we already known. And, you know, had like TVS, the Vam Squad, look it up, RTW, WOW Crew, you know, all of those, you know. Mm -hmm. So... We were there with all of that. And what was your graffiti name back then? Booze, Boozer. Look Boozer. It up. Yeah. Me and T-Kid did a lot. Yeah. T-Kid 170. Me and him did a lot of work, you know? All right. So you got that artistic side of you. So yeah. then 
when did you start to venture into music? What was your first step getting into I the music? My first step was opening record stores. Mm-hmm. I had record stores in Manhattan, one on the Bowery, one on St. Mark's Place, you know, had a couple of record stores. And 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 that my specialty was the dance hall reggae music. So I would go get it at VP and bring it back to the city where nobody knew why I was getting it and sell it, you know, or bring it up from Jamaica or even have jammies. I press up singles for jammies and distribute them. And, you know, and we did all the white labels and everything with VP with all of those remixes with Killa and all of that, you know. We're, we're going to get there. Don't worry, because this is a long journey. We're, we're going to get into all of that good stuff there. The record stores that you had opened up in Manhattan, what were the names of them? One, The first one was called Ujima. Mm-hmm. And we had, and it was a partnership between me and my Trinidadian friend, mm-hmm. you know? And um, it was a partnership. But we were on the Bowery, and we were there for a while. Um, I mean, it was getting, the prices of the place was really getting crazy because it was like, you know, it was one floor, another floor, and another. So it's three floors in Manhattan on the Bowery. They weren't looking at us like, you know, they didn't want us to. So so that one, we closed it, and then they went their way. They didn't want to do it anymore. So I went and opened one on called John's Records and Distribution on St. Mark's Place, 110 St. Mark's Place. And uh Went from there. And then when that got too expensive, I moved to 23rd Street just to do distribution. Because now I'm putting out record, I'm putting out stuff for jammers, I'm putting out stuff, my own stuff, and I'm putting out stuff, giving it to VP and giving it to who I can. You know, back then it took you a weekend to get to every store in Brooklyn, Bronx, and Queens, you know. Now you can just do it in an hour. <laughs> if you can find any. But you know, we used to take our records around, you know, you know, rest in peace to Moody's, Skelly. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace to Shelly and Moody's and, you know, Big Up Witty, Child Life, everybody. You know what I mean? Um, New Look, Louis Malcolm and them, you know, they were there back in the days. Definitely. So yeah. you have your, your record shop. Did you start producing when you be, when you had the record shop or this came well, like well, what happened, you know, the, you know, when I had a record shop. My So my transition was like, all right, I got records. I love to play records. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to be a DJ. Mm-hmm. So we started to keep little five dollar dances, and then then I was they were so packed and rammed that you know promoters came to me and they wanted me to do sticky mics on a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. So that started to do that, and then I used to do the Ukrainian center. Then I ended up in the reggae lounge, and then from the reggae lounge to the Island Club till closure, you know. But I worked there for a, I I was there almost every night for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and. That's where I got my stuff. But then, you know, you when you're playing records out and you're playing records, you always feel say you can make a record now because you know what people like and stuff. So I, every, if you look at it, mostly everybody had started selecting, became a producer. Mm-hmm. Because that's the, I guess that's the transition. You know what I mean? You be, mm-hmm. After that, you become a producer because you always think you can make that record because you play records, you know what the crowd likes and stuff. So, you know, back, you then, back then I was into everything, every kind of music. What was the name of your, your what was your DJ name or what was I the was, name? I was sound? just telling one that we had, a, we had a sound called Street Life. Street Life okay. So how did you get your name, Johnny Wonder? Because remember when well, you that were was hanging, down at Jammies. That was down at Jammies. Somewhere mm-hmm. down at Jammies, somehow, some kind of way. I got the name Johnny Wonder. I think it's King himself probably give it to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
but down there, it's so long ago, and I can't really remember, you know, but I used to, you know, love Little John, you know what I mean? So, you know, and he used to say Johnny Wonder, so it did fit, obviously, yeah. Little John, you know? <laughs> so... All right, so then let's do this now. Before you even get to jam, so you said, okay, you're gonna start producing because you you have your song, your DJ, you're playing out and stuff. What was the first sound the or first, artist or thing you? Simon Templer was the mm-hmm. first artist I produced an album with. He's from Brooklyn. Simon mm-hmm. Templer. I don't. Remember, I don't. Took him to Jammies, did the whole album and everything, and that was just from the reggae lounge vibes. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing I ever really produced. Mm-hmm. And that was in a minute ago. You got to ask him what year it was. I don't remember. <laughs> how, how did that do for you guys? Well, it, it never really came out, but, you know, he did put out a single with it and all of that. And he still has the album, but I don't know when he wants, what he wants to do with it. It never really came out fully, you know. Mm-hmm. I think we put out a, a couple of singles with a B-side and it didn't really go nowhere. And then he had one little record that was going on good. So he just ran with that, mm-hmm. you know, so. Got you. So, okay, you brought it up a couple of times. We just started. Jammies. How did, what What was your first time like in Jamaica and how did you connect with King Jammies in the first place? Well, I connected to King through 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 uh, a phone call that Bunny Lee made because I was out in Jersey and um, I was, you know, I had my record shops. So I, I'm out in Jersey. I'm going to Rohit. So Rohit was like, they had just got a lot of Jammies disc in, you know, CDs. So I was going to go out to Rohit to buy my shit wholesale. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I go out there and Bunny Lee was there. I didn't even know who he was. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, I quickly, you know, was like, oh, shit, it's Bunny Lee, da, da, da. So I said, so, you know, we, we got to talking and some for some reason, um, you know, I said, he, I was like, yeah, I, I like Jamie's, Jamie's, I'm Jamie's my favorite producer. Mm-hmm. So he just got Jamie's on the phone. And I said, you know, whole, you know, yeah, you know, you're a great producer. And Jamie said, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first kind of thing I had with Jamie's. Then I kept, I kept on having a thing with Jamie's, having a thing with Jamie's until, until we said, all right, we're going to go to Jamaica and do this. And then, boom, we went to Jamaica. We did the Simon Templar, but then I wasn't done. So I was, you know, I just kept on going back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. So that was the whole time, 90s into the 95s, like, you know, when with, with the Junior Cat, Risto, Killer, you know what I mean? Panhead, the whole of them, you know what I mean? All of them back then, mm-hmm. you know, came up, we came up through that, you know? Through the King Jammies link there. All right, so you, per, you produce a Simon Temple, you say you weren't done. So what was your next move with King Jammies at that time there? Well, I mean, you know, I was always trying to distribute something or do something. So I guess, you know, we started doing a thing where, um, you know, I would come down and pick some songs and try to go sell them to VP and stuff like that. And basically every other month we were coming up with rhythms and things and singles that we can sell Chris and sell VP because, you know, and that was it. And that, and that's what, what I really did. And then I was down there a lot and, you know, just, you know, we did a lot, you know, mm-hmm. we did a lot, so much, so much things. A lot of work. Cause I know so that you were one of the people that I think broke Passport Buddy Risco Benji. In I, I put it out on John's records. John's record put it out. We put it out first, just like Copper Shop. We put we put some songs. We, Bandolero came out first. Good whole college. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you, no, I'm telling the whole thing on them redo that. Yo, I'll tell you. Um, what was it? Good whole college. Bandolero, Passport Buddy. Would I let you go? 
Yo, some some bad Jack can't remember right now, but yeah. enough bad drone. Why did you choose okay, a Risco Benji, a Pinchers, and those songs? Why did you choose those songs in particular? You no, know, I was down there when a lot of it was made, and it's just an atmosphere, vibe. You know, Benji's there every day. Mm-hmm. You naturally want to see Benji get a hit song, and he'd be there every day with him. Mm-hmm. And Pinchers is, you know, that type of Pinchers wait after Pinchers heard Flyers sing his song. You know, the song before because Bandolero was never on the rhythm. And Pliers did a song on the rhythm first, and Pinches are listening to Pliers. And then came back with Bandolero. <laughs> Classic. I'm telling you, man. Then it, I went up there and I pressed it on a 12 inch with Good Hole College and a couple of other songs, and it just went boom. And when we you're talking about. When you're talking about Good Hole College, that was our Red Dragon you're talking Red about. Red Dragon, yeah. But for some reason, he w- it was just as his transition was going out. Mm-hmm. He had that last Good Hole College, mm-hmm. which did some, you know, was re- people loved. You know, in the club, they loved that. You know, it was mm-hmm. a club thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. all of these are, because all of these are the pre-killer, because we're working ourselves up to the we're killer. Pre-killer. So, yep. It's all pre-killer. Mm-hmm. All pre-killer. I'm just saying, to me, the universe had... This is how the universe was. Mm-hmm. You had the universe. You had Risto, Junior Cat, Panhead, and um, and um, Junior Cat, Panhead, Risto Benji, and there was another one. Pinchers, right? No, but I'm just saying everything. All every all of these people they, through their life led it to be killer time. Mm-hmm. Because them people were out of the picture at that time, and there was a great concentration on Killer. Mm-hmm. For me, yeah. like, I don't know how Jamie's and them was at, but I know John John was on it, and, you know, Jamie's like, yeah, all right, you know, boom. Because at that time, you know, they didn't want no gun songs to be played in Jamaica when the JBC came in and all of that. So, mm-hmm. so you know, King is King. King is King. is King King is like, you know, King is like him to do no bad things. If you, if they say you can't make gun tune, him, nah, make no gun tune. In Jamaica, but we had it and we just bring it up, you know what I'm saying? So, you know. Like that, even before we get to kill a panhead, what was it like working with a young panhead at that See, time? There? Let me tell you something. Everybody has their own thing about panhead. Me and him never had a problem. Ever. For, for taking the pictures of his thing and everything, me and him never had a problem. I told him to go for his booty printer. To, to Jamis, no, I'm gonna tell him. All right, here's what. No, I like the song, and he went and did it on a dub play for for Stone Love. And I said, "Yo, bring that song. Go record that. Go record that." You know. So I guess it, you know it got. I told King King, "Yo, this song, Pony Print, is gonna be you know, boom." And then he he gave him the ring, and they did it, and it was, you know how it goes. Another song. <laughs> Crazy. And what was the vibe like when you heard that Panhead had died? Because he died. Oh very shit! Early. I was in Japan with King. No, yeah, yeah. I we, we, I was in I was in Japan with King mm-hmm. when I heard about when with Jamis when I heard about oh was that with Garnet Silk? I think with Pinehead we heard it from when me and Killer went. I mm-hmm. think so. Garnet Silk was when we went with Jamis. I think he had the next one. I heard we were in Japan. No, no matter what, I know where I was in Japan. I don't know particularly where when I got the when I got the news about uh, about Pinehead. Mm-hmm. 
And that was that was because he was gone. He was ready to go. He was going to take off. He was ready to go. I mean, he was he was in. He was holding the order long before Capleton. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like long before he he was, had his you know bigging up black people and bigging up the whole culture, bigging up MT. Long before some other people were doing it. Mm-hmm. I, and I know that you know, you know because I seen it. The transition. Crazy. Did he get a chance to come to New York and perform or anything? Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I met Benji when he first came up. What was that like? <laughs> <laughs> well, I when I came up, I seen him. I made sure, you know, boom. And then he went with the Shaba people where, where he went with. And, you know, that was that. You know, because he had to follow their thing. You know what I mean? He was with them and he might have to go with them. So there's no breaking off and then me, no, 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 no. You know, so th- so I met him. We, it was good. Yeah, baby, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, he gone about his business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. And who were some other artists? Because I guess you were working a Junior lot with Cat, I was work- We were doing Junior Cat. We were doing a few songs in with Junior Cat before mm-hmm. Super Cat came and, and, and signed them over to the thing. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm telling you, it's a journey. Super Cat signed Junior Cat. Benji gone with Saba. Um, um, Paned, them kill Paned. That has to be, I keep a cape, but I'm no, I know, no, I don't know. It was somebody else I can't forget, but Jesus, that, I, that, I still, from them time there till now, see the succession of how Killer came about. Okay. You know what? Let's just go there then, because you brought up his name a couple of times. How did this, I need you to take your time with this one here, Johnny, all right? How did this whole Killer Connect happen in the first place? Because if a lot of people don't know, you're basically responsible for this. Mighty bounty killer that we know today, because of some stuff he did early in his career. I'll tell you. Okay, well, you know, so I'm, I'm, like I say, I'm down there. I, I'm seeing, you know, you know, I'm seeing the potentials in a lot of terrible belly had potentials, and mm-hmm. and 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 determined, and then you know you had, you had, you know, you know, you had, um, you know, you had like you know, Kutchian and 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 um and 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 um, Tadla and Boom. You know, they were, you know, people were doing their little thing. They had little things, you know, Black Mice had a song with mm-hmm. Doulas and, the, you know, there was, there was, you know, everybody was down there doing their thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, what came about, he had, he, I wasn't there when he voiced it. I was there when it got mixed. I know Prento had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like he said, I carried the dats. Up so. Mm-hmm. So I said, they said, no, I said, yes. It's not, and we're not in Jamaica. We're going to New York. Put that on the dat. Mm. You know what I mean? We're going to New York. What? They don't <laughs> care. You can play copy shot 20, 20 times and not even to have no clean, nothing, nothing. Nobody would know the difference. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to New York. We're not going here. Put it on the dat. Boom. We, of course, we're going up there. We know, say, you know that the, that 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 uh, Roach and Galaxy P are going good with the tune and everything. I'm going. So you get that vibe. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? I believe in this tune and the kid. So let me just put it here and we'll put it on, you know, we'll put it out through the regular channels we do with VP as a single. And that's what happened. And there you go. And then we, you know, the whole thing through Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You couldn't t- yeah, you're my, I am my person. You're, what? You're going to do what to kill it in Brooklyn? No, sir. You're not going to do nothing to kill it in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. After the thing that happened at Moody, I mean at um at, at Don One, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. when he was a kid. After that, Brooklyn was his place, you know, a big up yeah. Tip Top and Speedy and Bojo and the whole crew. The originals. From there. What was a young killer like before even Copper Shot? What was it like dealing with him back then? He was easy. I mean, he, he was, you know, smoking spliff and a cigarette and drink Pepsi, and he was different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I even seen the transition from the Pepsi to the Henny, but I seen the I seen the transition from the jeans to the to the to the, to the you know the um the guy on Orchard Avenue's clothes, that nice linen clothes. You know what I'm saying? That from a fade to ding, you know, and all of that. So to see that transition, I couldn't believe it. I was like, you're crazy. What are you doing? <laughs> because right. that took him off. Like, basically, before he was dressing like that, he was dressing like any normal kid from New York. Mm-hmm. You would look at him, you know, but then he put on the Trevi stuff and all of that stuff. You see me? That changed the game. <laughs> Crazy. So, Copper Shot came out here now. This went, this blew up big in New York. Oh, so then- crazy. I was at Superpower when they played the Bayside. Okay. We didn't even, the first couple of things, everybody was just coming. They didn't even have to name the song. Just put the blue label in the air. Yo, give me that. Give me that. Give me mm-hmm. that. Superpower alone on a Saturday mm-hmm. is the only place I've ever seen that type of thing. Three mm-hmm. deep trying to get that blue and white label. <laughs> <laughs> King Jammy's boss. King Jammy. Well, then it pops the same. Bring another box. I'm like, pay me for the box that you already sold. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I'm not like pay people, you know. Trust me, nah. they want all the records in the world, but they don't want to pay you. Come on now, I have Welcome to go back to the music and beg up for my records. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. So then, how did you even know this song was really bubbling, Kappa Shot? When did you know? Okay, we have something here. Hmm. You know, this song just you know, it just came out of like the underground, like with a fury. I didn't know. I like the song. You know what I mean? I'm trying to give him a chance because now everybody's gone around there. We have to bring somebody. You know, we have to, we have to, we're at the camp. So we have to bust somebody from here. You know what I mean? From the camp has a bus. So concentration on top of, yeah, let's deal with what's already hot. Mm-hmm. But concentration is on um, to get somebody on the come up. And that's where that came from. Mm-hmm. And it was a fast come up. You understand because from you know from, I mean Bobby will tell you and they would tell you that was playing on the radio. It was playing on W. You know that back then we had WNWK and all of that. You know we had a lot like you know they they were on BLS. I mean it played it played right alongside, you know, mm-hmm. um, Goody Goody, and all the other songs. Crazy. So then now you see the song is bubbling. How do you connect back with Killer and say, yo, these are the moves? What were the next Go to moves? Brooklyn, keep the that? show. Go around Brooklyn, keep the show. Shoot a video. Da 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 da. Try to get the shit going, cracking. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. And then, you know, then TVT, you know, with the VP, the whole thing with VP and TVT, the joint venture, I was like the in-between. I was the I was the bridge for that. You know? So, so um, TVT wanted him now, so, you know, it was not like you can run and go put out singles anymore and stuff like that. So, you know, we put all the white labels out. But, you know, but Copper Shot was just big in the streets. That's all I can say. Mm -hmm. And it just went crazy. 
So even before you guys got to TVT, was that which album came first, Next Millennium or My Experience? My Experience came first. How do you guys put together that album there? We did that album. People were interested. Well, we were doing it for VP at the time, you know, until, you know, I I had, all right, I was at VP and I was at TVT. So Mm -hmm. naturally, I'm going to try and and bridge this gap and and do a joint venture and what's best for us. Mm -hmm. So Patricia Joseph and them at TVT, you know what I mean? They, They brought it to the table and you know, it was it was a good look. It was a good look, you know. So we already had been compiling and making music before. No, we weren't asking nobody for nothing. We, you know, we got the Fuji. We didn't pay a dime for the Fujis. Everybody got their publishing. Nobody really got no no upfront money. None of them hip hop people really did that. And who was on that album there? Everybody. Um, yeah. Fujis, Wu Tang Clan. Um. J. Ruda Damager, um, Richie Stevens, and um, and Third World, and Beanie Man, and oh my God, it was just so many. You know, he had a lot of of his own songs that held it down, but he did have a lot of a lot of uh, combinations. And how did you guys? How did you connect the dots with all these hip hop acts? Now, because you said you so, connected with food. Yeah, I still, yeah, I do, I do. But you know, you know, you know. Um, that you know, over time you learn how to do this, and and if you become who you are, and then you you know you can always reach out and find you know a link in, and then you know you just find if it if it's if it's a yes or a no. Mm-hmm. What can you do? You know what I'm saying? So that's how I do it. I still do it like that. Reach out to people, and you know if they want to reach out, reach back, reach back. If not, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And how did my experience do for him at this time here now? Because he's the new kid on the block. He's hot like fire. We on, oh, my how God. Ask him. We went on the My Experience tour. Mm-hmm. Such a successful tour. Mm-hmm. The best tour. Trust me. That's the best. Ask him. The best tour I'm doing. Mm-hmm. My Experience tour. We went around. It was great. It was six months on Billboard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, it was ridiculous. You know? Um but after when we toured, it was helping it out. We seen that. We seen how much merch is, how much merch is worth, and all of that. You know, you, you learn things. But it was a big, big tour. What do you remember most about that tour? Either a show in particular. What is it that sticks in your mind forever about that? My experience you know, tour. I never forget. You know, the thing is, is that I'm the, uh, you know, I'm the last one on the bus and the first one off the bus. <laughs> So I got to get make sure that these guys get their their back line set up. They go that make sure that they go to sound check. Make sure they guys get the bags up there. Make sure everybody checks in. But you know, it don't go so smooth sometimes. Somebody said that room not staying in the room, man. And, you know this and that. You know then you you know that your whole energy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's difficult. You know, it's difficult. I re- that, that I, that's what I did. I, I remember the shows because I was like, yeah, but I rarely didn't sit in front. Mm-hmm. One show I did sit in front was uh, Brixton Academy. Mm-hmm. I love that show. Mm-hmm. But that, that's another the European tour. That's another story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And this was around the next. This was around my experience. Or when was it? Yeah. Tell, tell me about that tour. What? Tell me about that. The one in Europe now. Oh, all right, Rough Cut was with us again. Boldby. Um, 
I know Killer mm-hmm. and, and, and some other people. I know, I know that we took a couple of planes where the people had to drive a bus from like England to Sweden. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't like that tour that much. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really like it. I don't think everybody on the tour was the vibes were like different on there, you know? Mm-hmm. Everybody had a whole different energy. You know? What changed by you guys got to the got to Europe? I don't know, man, but I ended up taking a plane home early. Mm-hmm. That's how I didn't want to be there. Got you. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, you know, that, that happens. I mean, you, what am I going to do? I'm going to. No. Mm-hmm. Keep it moving like that. Yeah, okay. Keep it Was this the same time where you guys got involved with the Unpraxis label also? Well, yeah, that, that was his label. I was telling him you need to produce, you know, and like, you know, or whatever. Well, he knows he needed to produce and 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 to have his own label to bring in his own revenue. You know what I mean? That was basically everything he liked to do. You know, say like you sell your own shit, get a little revenue, and you can put it back into your. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's basically you know how I how I figured it with him. Because that's the label where the Bounty Buster Rhymes and Junior Reed came out on. Change just like the weather. Changes that was on the album too. Changes like the land. How did you guys put that together? You know, you must you must have you must be listen. I'm we're in LA, mm-hmm. right? And we do we did a show at the Hollywood Palladium, mm-hmm. right? Boom. Um, and you know vibes again. You know people people you know bad vibes. You know you know people not you know. So I'm like Doug. We're booked, we're booked, studio time booked mm-hmm. at uh, Chung King with Eric Sermon. Wow. <laughs> and Buster. Mm-hmm. All right? So Eric Sermon produced that, John. Never knew that until you said that right now, Johnny. Chung King. Mm-hmm. We went to Chung King. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I'm not delirious, but yeah. And Buster was there, and then I was on all on the plane and everything. I'm like, yo, dog, we have to go to this. Nah, I'm going. Nah, I'm going nowhere. Remember, nah, I'm going nowhere. I said, my youth, everything's set up. What are you talking about? Half the going. You know. And then, and then when we get off, it kind of got. We kind of he kind of calmed down, and then we, you know, you know, got, you know, we was, you know, probably went to got him good something to eat, some weed, and everything was good. We went up there and did the do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we did the and then we did the video. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Bogle was in the video too. That was like one of the first Bogle in the video. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, big, big video. Where did you guys film? Did you guys film that in the states or in Jamaica? It was in. It was at a sound stage in Queens. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was up here. We did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Changes sound- like the weather. Yeah, changes language. Yeah, so you guys are doing Christian, good. And the hottest media guy at mm-hmm. the moment, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. You guys are doing crazy things now. So, okay. So you said you were working for TVT, but you had the link for VP at the same time. Well, you know, I would sit and try to compile records and try to bring as much dancehall and reggae to these people as I could. And, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And then, um, and to, from 97 to 2000, I wasn't around. But when I came home in 2000, I worked at TVT as a IT person, mm-hmm. you know, 
just so I can have a job and maintain a job and whatever, whatever. So I worked there. I, I, I did a lot of IT shit for them, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But they all know me and they all know that I want to make records and I want to do this and that. So, you know, while I was there doing that, I was still doing the the um, the um, the, the album, you know, because we were making that album, mm-hmm. my experience. So and then it got like, you know, I said, you know, you know, I caught the attention of Patricia and then. Randy and them at VP and everybody got to say, yeah, yeah, let's do this and that. And that's how the joint venture came out. And that's how the record came out. Yeah. Because with Next Millennium, now that's the one that came out on TVT. Yeah. No, both of them came out. Yo, I wasn't around for Next Millennium. I, f- I finished mixing the album mm-hmm. the morning before I went and turned myself in for three years. Yeah. So, wow. you, know, you know what I mean? So I, I was at Sony Studios with Wyclef finishing up the song, mm-hmm. finishing up the song with Nona Hendrix in them. And then the next day, boom, then I had the dat, and I, you know, I dropped it off and mm-hmm. hit the road. And that was the end of that for a while. All right, mm-hmm. so then now while you were way killer, still, he now he's super red hot right now. You know what I mean? So when you came home now, what do you? What were your moves when you came home now? What were you doing when you came back? Trying to main, seek and maintain employment, trying to just be on, you know, just be a good kid, you know, and just mm-hmm. be a good guy and just chill. You know, I didn't have no, you know, I didn't have nobody owe me nothing or nothing type of vibes. I didn't care. I did my own thing. So I just wanted to get back into it, you know, mm-hmm. get back into the whole business and the vibes and everything. But it took a while, you know, mm-hmm. and things take time, you know. And what was your first project when you came back home then? I think I wrote the linear notes for uh, Warlord Scrolls. I think that was the first thing I did when I came back. Mm-hmm. Was I did the uh, linear notes for warlocks for warlords scrolls, <laughs> and then I, I don't know so much other stuff. I did uh, dance all draft picks. I did the King Jammies documentary. I did. Uh, so hold on, back it up there. The King Do- the King Jammies documentary. How did you come up with that? And I know Bobby Digital was still around at that time. There. How yeah. did you come up with that there? It's a thing between some the one of the person that was at VP mm-hmm. and me, right? And um, we they 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 said, all right, we'll 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 do it, you know. So, but I was the only one that I had to go get all of the film clips from King. I had to sit and watch everything, you know, do everything, get everything, make sure everything's done, and you know, um, and make sure I make sure that it comes out good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we did a lot of filming, a lot of this and that. And then the edit came out nice and everything. And I liked it. You know, it was sold out at the Tribeca Film Festival. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sold out. I, I wasn't even in there. I was scared to see myself live. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you like to work behind the scenes and keep <laughs> it moving. Yeah. Yeah. Because even in this time here, too, didn't you have a record label called Ghetto Vibes? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. Put out a bunch of stuff with that. What were some of the stuff you put out on your label? I know something big that was on Never Keeping Secrets by Cane Juice. That was mm-hmm. really big. Mm-hmm. Um, Cellular Number. Um, oh, Not Another Word. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. I can't remember them all, I swear. Yeah. So many of them. Yeah, no, because you at that time there but what i'm figuring was i thought a lot of those songs had came out on like either the priceless label or jammy's label but i seen that you had ghetto vibes also so was it different regions that came out on different labels no well i guess if 
It's like this. You go out and you have 20, 25 records from King Diamonds, mm-hmm. right? 25 records from him and another 25 from me and another 25 from Don Don. So sometimes you go up there and say, this is for Ghetto Vibes. Mm-hmm. This is John John's label. This is King Label. Well, there's so and so and so and so. You know what I mean? So they don't want so much music. Mm-hmm. So we said, all right, we created a lot of labels so that we can do this and that. You know, tell you the truth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah because time, I mean, you know, you, you go get money from Chris, he gives you, you know, a stack of fives and ones, and you sign a napkin and go home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you got fives and ones and some tens and you signed up the breakfast napkin and you're going to business. Even before we even move forward, I know another name that you did some work with, with um, Matt Cabra, but this was early in his career, though. You know, I was, me and me and Cabra were friends. I, I, I really didn't do that much with him. Mm-hmm. And we did a few things, but me and him were just cool as friends and stuff like that. You know, Cobra is not, I don't think Cobra would be in somebody that I would have figured say that me do anything for mm-hmm. or him do anything for me. You know, we're just friends. Connected here and there. And who else would you say, okay, because everybody knows you and Killer, that was definitely the big run. Who else would you say somebody you worked with very closely also? Junior Cat. Junior Cat. Really? Talk to us about it. You know what I mean? Junior Cat just had a vibes. You know what I mean? I'm just out of vibes. Don Super Cat are my favorite DJ, so mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you. You want me to show you? Super Cat and Nicodemus. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do any work with uh, Super Cat or Nicodemus? Yeah, you know, I was around Cat for a while after Fred died. You know, and uh, but and we never, in that time of cat me and when i link with cat um he wasn't really doing anything he wasn't recording he wasn't doing dub plays he wasn't doing shows mm-hmm. you know it was just that type of thing we go over there talk to him smoke a spliff and cut you know what i mean mm-hmm. but we never really got any music with cat all my music with cat is virtually through jammy's catalog <laughs> got you even nicodemus you did any work with him yeah, well, yeah, I had some. I had some Nicodemus. I had some Nicodemus because Demus was my dude. You know what I mean? I had a couple of Nicodemus. I don't remember what their name, but mm-hmm. and I put out. We put out that album too. Um, that Nicodemus was a Bonanza album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that might have been his last album. Yeah. And even Condors, how did you link up with Bobby? Now I know you guys are both in New York. How did that relationship work with you and Bobby Condors? You know, I met. I think I met Bobby through Pat McKay. That's who I met Bobby from when when Bobby and Pat were on WBLS, mm-hmm. and um, that's how I met Bobby. And then you know, you know, it was a radio thing. You know, because you know, I had a lot of gas, like they said, to give people. You know, what I mean, I had a lot of gas, mm-hmm. so I, you know, go around and they were kind of one of my favorite people to go to. You know, so I'd give them the gas. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I know it. And then Bobby had his own studio in the projects in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So there was people that we used to go over there and cut dub plays, and then Killer went over there, and then you know it was over. <laughs> Me and Bobby been around for a long, long time, though. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and even with I know you've done work with even like Nitty Gritty, Dennis Brown, and those type of names are also. Yeah, well, I put most of those albums together 
and the new like the ones that came after the original ones i put them up you know repackaged remastered re everything and we put them out through vp you know we did a lot nitty gritty tennis uh king kong johnny osborne junior reed gregory half pine cornell campbell al campbell so many Pinchas, Coca T, Dean Frazier, Stelian Cleavy, Frankie Paul. <laughs> yeah, we did all of those albums. Yeah, so your your job at that time, I guess, was basically compiling albums. Jammies would have the singles. So you're gonna go put it together, put it in a nice package. Yeah, I so go through the book. If I wasn't there in person hearing it and seeing everything made, when I used to come back down from New York, I'd go through the book to see what was recorded. You know, see what that it was on or whatsoever. You know what I mean? Because they used to have a big book, write everything in the book. You know what I mean? So you'd be able to go see who recorded the last couple of weeks on what did they record it and which artist recorded. You know, then you can focus on all right, pull that, pull that, pull that. You know what I'm saying? Put this on that, put this on that, put this on that. You know, so that's how that's how I used to get to compile records, rhythm compilation, and singles and everything else. And then, you know, then we did the, the remixes where it all came out on white label. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. <laughs> Those are some big remixes, man. Yeah. What were some of the remixes that you worked on? Cellular phone remix, mm -hmm. not another word remix. Um oh and oh popcorn. Um only girls you want with Buster. I did that. Um Man, I can't, I can't even think no more, man. You I did a lot of remixes. Clearly. I did a lot of remixes. I just can't remember them all, man. Mm -hmm. Clearly. Yeah. Somebody somebody else, even over at King Jammies, would have been Bobby Digital. Give me one of your favorite well, Bobby you know, Digital stories. Bobby already, when the time that I went down there, Bobby was already, I guess, going, you know, I guess going up to you and then or whatever, or, you know, because at that time when Bobby wasn't really there, mm -hmm. Snakey and Fat Man was there, Prento, um, um, you know, a lot of them, you know, Beckett and Squingin and them and then, you know, that's another thing with them because, look, Squingin died, Beckett died, this one died, Jesus Christ, man, it's just, it comes to where it came to um, the other kid that died just recently too, he used to be there. But there was so many when Bobby, he had used to see Bobby, mm -hmm. but he wasn't really in the studio like that mm -hmm. when I got around there, you know, which, you know, you know, Bobby was on a fucking pedestal to me, you know, Steely and more Steely, too. And Steely was like, eh, and, you know. Mm -hmm. What was it like meeting even somebody like a Steely? Because you heard the records, but when you met him in person, what was it like? Steely is a Steely is a Steely. <laughs> Steely is a person, man, and love muster people and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Love it. We used to call King Redneck. Used to make him really mad and things. He was always, he was always, he was just a fun person. Plus, he was very musical. He was a very musical person, Don. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and then he loves to fuck with people, too. <laughs> <laughs> and Bobby, I was just, Bobby was always on the pit. Bobby's, you know, he's not that, like, Steely. He's not, you know, jumping up and down. Bobby's kind of quieter and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. But like that whole thing, that whole thing around Jamie's, that whole era, I, 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 I'm really into it. I cherish it, kind of, you know, mm -hmm. that whole era. Mm -hmm. you know? 
definitely. Because even as you said, you took a break for a while. And when you came back, I know you started to do work with like Serrani, Movado, Idonia, and these type artists. How do you connect with this new crop of artists now compared to the... Because I did, I did, I, what I did, I did a dance all draft picks uh, video, Mm -hmm. you know, and I went and I, and I recorded, you know, all of these guys before they bust. You know what I mean? So I and plus, you know, the whole dub play trade, you know, we used to get a lot of dub work in New York. So we used to have to link them and, you know, they become like kind of like, you know, they'll call you and they'll become like, you know, anything happening and stuff like that. So that's how you get them linked. When they come to New York, you take them on the you take them on the full gambit, you know, the tour. Mm-hmm. You get them food, you get them weed, you go to the radio stations, you go to the pirate stations, you go to the clubs, you keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, the pass throughs, the this, the that. You know, we used to do all of that. For seven years, that's all I did in my life was carry motherfuckers around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who was who, one of your favorite artists that you've seen come from zero, rise up in the new the new set of artists, new crop? Skilly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Before, hold on, we're getting there. We're going to get there. I'm talking to Movado's I don't is that crap oh. right there. Well, you know, Movado was my singer, man. Mm-hmm. You know, Cartel. Movado was my singer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But um, I, I it was always for me. You know, it was always a pleasure. You know, to, to be even around Mavado at that time. You know, because mm-hmm. I, I really rated him. He was definitely a dancehall draft pick mm-hmm. that made it. You know, I Adonia, same thing. You know, his father and everybody up in the Bronx and everything. Okay, you know, known for a minute. You know what I mean? Same type of link up kind of way. You know. Mm-hmm. But everybody, you know, everybody. Serrani, mm-hmm. yeah, man, we work for Serrani, but then, you know, shit happens. <laughs> the music hey, bygones be bygones. What can I say? Yeah. Okay, so even before we got to Skilly, who were you working with right before you got to with um, Skilly Bang? I wasn't just putting out a few singles and stuff and concentrating on distribution business mm-hmm. more than I was producing, you know. But you know, well, I had a, some I had a good TJ stimulated by the song, big song, mm. you know, Charlie Blacks and and um, Chris Chris Martin. Some pretty, you know, some some decent song. But I don't like, you know, I just don't rush nothing. I just take time and make things, you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about rhythms, but I've really never had any success with them. I've had more success with singles than I've had with rhythms. Okay, that's where you find your power lies. That's where I find singles. my thing. You know what I mean? Somebody might find their thing in making rhythms. Mm-hmm. They might say, oh, it's because I'm not really Jamaican that that's why I think like that. But that's just the way I think. Yeah. It worked for you. It made you successful up to this point. So then clearly it's working for you, right? <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. just saying the 808s, everybody does them now. Listen up. <laughs> Crazy. So even before we even get to Skilly, because that's something recent, how do you get to 21st Hala? What's the name of the company? 21st? 21st Apelos? Yes. How did you get to them in the first place? Um, <laughs> well, he knew knew some other people that were like, they had come back to Movado. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Stama. A youth named Stammer used to tell him about me because the man wanted to do music and stuff. So he wanted to do parties, and I said, I don't do parties because parties are just a joke. 
Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do distribution. You have any? You know, yeah. You, you want to do that? Mm-hmm. I'm say yeah. So we tried to sign up as 21st Productions and his production company, but the people told us we just need one thing. Mm-hmm. So we said, all right, boom, we'll make it 21st, which is me, mm-hmm. and the other thing, which is him. Got you. Got me. That's how that came about. And um. Yes, I was down. I was there for a while, and then you know it just got whatever. And then I walked away like Dr. Dre. They said they they probably would say they fired me, but I walked away like Dr. Dre. You know what I mean? Good. Keep everything. Let me just go about my business. Mm-hmm. And that's that. That's that story. <laughs> how how long were you over there for? Oh shit, two thousand and nine to I think seven years, mm-hmm. and four years all by myself too. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean? I did everything by myself. I did everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> made the covers, put it on, do do the made the data, do this, that, everything. I did everything. Mm-hmm. For the first four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how was it going from like record to now digital distribution? How did you manage those waters, even in your mind? What did you do? Say, okay, this is how I'm going to attack this right here and get it. I'm looking at it like these are the new record company. These are the new record stores. Let's put it like that. Got you. Now, if I was to deal with record stores, I'm going to be taking my box of records and I'm going to put them over there so that they can sell them. It's the same thing. I'm taking this music and I'm putting it on Spotify and I'm putting it on there so people can buy it. And, you know what I mean? And people can sell it. Mm-hmm. That's how I looked at it. You know, and there was nobody, actually nobody doing it. Back then, there was no more singles coming out. There wasn't any rhythm albums coming out mm-hmm. at all. From when we started to put back the rhythm albums, everybody, everybody jumped up and paid attention, woke them up, woke up a lot of distributors, you know? And then they started doing it. And that's when it became, a, you know, a toilet bowl because there's 200 distributors. <laughs> Everybody's a distributor. Yeah. Right now, it's how, how much money you got, not what you can do. Mm-hmm. You see me? So. And even then, how did you guys pick your clients back then to say, okay, this is how we're going to move your music forward in this type of digital distribution? Every Every major producer in that time. I went to them and told them, let's do this, let's do that, from TJ Rush and everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody. We we worked from early on. You know, n- naturally, as things go, people do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Of course. You can't say, you know, but yes, that's where we started from, John John and Sean Nizzle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And people and, and producers like that who, who, who were like trying to, you know, Try to get something out of life. Get make just make music and get something instead of have to wait for the one, you know, VP to call you for one license deal or something like that. Or, or and and after and after Greensleeve got bought, you know what I mean. At least you had a little competition. At least Crick Cracknell maybe give you a little extra fifty five hundred dollars on it. You know what I mean? But now when you when you have the monopoly, what are you gonna do? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you understand. All right. So then you said, when did you build your own company now, 21st, when you went on your own? What year was that? That was back. That was back in the days. I've had 21st production since 1996. Okay. Well, after you left, after you left the other company, when did you set up shop? As you oh, I've been set up. My, my stuff is always set up. You can't have me like that. You can't think that my stuff ain't set up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm always because you know when you when you're around something and you mm-hmm. feel the energy and you feel the vibes. If you don't know what to do, that's you. But I knew what I had to do. Got you. 
That's all I'm going to say. And then, so then now, now you're back on your own again. What yeah, was, man, this, yeah, what man, was your next, the, what huh? was your next move after you went back on your own now? Well, then I, I was able to, you know, I concentrated on my distribution. I have a little staff now, like I used to do everything, but now I have a staff that, you know, helped me do things. Mm-hmm. Then I said, figure I get back, I have a little time to get back into a little producing. And that's what I do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And this and that, you know, and I'm happy doing it. I'm in a good mood. I don't, you know, I don't have to hear toxic environments. You know what I mean? I don't need it. Mm-hmm. You know? What were some of the first productions you did back on your own when you started out? Corner Shop Rhythm. Um, the Black Party Rhythm, Unruly Rave with Popcorn and then people there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, man. A lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? A lot. I can't even hardly remember what I said. You know, I can't, I'm having a a block here on all of that. No but a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. And you think there. So then how do you link up? You're doing your stuff. You're doing your stuff. How did you come across the Skilly Bang? Well, Gotti Bling, uh, I mean, Claims Records, they gave me Brick Pun Brick mm. to distribute. So they Brick Pun Brick. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, I, I have I have rhythms for this kid, you know? I know I have some rhythms for this kid. I'm listening to Brick Pun Brick, and I'm listening to him, and I'm saying... I know I have some rhythms for this kid, mm-hmm. you know? So, link him on Instagram and him give me his WhatsApp number. Mm-hmm. And then we'll link him and say, yo, I know I have some rhythm for you, dog. And, yo, you want to hear them? Hear them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We sent him a couple of rhythms, crocodile teeth, read everything. Him sent me back crocodile teeth. So I'm looking at this like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> What is this? Oh my God! This gun, that gun, every gun, everybody, Jesus! <laughs> Remember, you're, you're you're the copper shot man. So I know, I know, I know. Like, this is like thirty five years later. <laughs> but checking out the ticky ticky people and like the young kids and stuff and mm-hmm. and researching all of that and all of that. So all right, boom. All right, let's shoot the video. Mm-hmm. Shot the video, boom, and that was it. That was that. That was it. It was over. I don't know another record that had so many people on the record, like the Tory Lanes, the Bobby Smurders, the Nicki Minaj, the Cardi B's, the Burner Boys, the you know the this one, the that one, the this one, the that one. I, I never tell me the other record that did that. Mm-hmm. It's it's been a while since we've seen something where so many people were messing with one record. It's been a while. It's been a while. Sure has. Yeah. Crack it out, Tito. So from there, it took off. And did you guys start to work together exclusively, or this was Uh -uh, just a one-time No, no, no. He he already got his whatever he got, you know, whatever, whoever he deal with them Mm -hmm. way there, like management and, Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and label and thing. You know, we just work independent. You know what I'm saying? A couple of songs here and there, you know? But, you know, he said that I should get an album or an EP. I said I should. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I should, too. <laughs> Started out as an EP and turned into this album. Mm-hmm. So how did you think, how do you connect with Nicki Minaj to get the actual, is that an official remix? The public, a Joshua thing, he hit me, um, the A&R. 
Ain't no hit me, and we just made it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like that. Yeah, just like that. Yeah, simple. simple. Mm-hmm. They were trying to be slick in the beginning, talking about their artist. I was like, well, let me tell you, who is your artist? They're trying to be slick. I'm like, come on now. <laughs> mm-hmm. You you've been around the block for a while, so clear. You know, you know a couple of things. Yeah, you I know what I mean. Even with that same, before we even leave the crocodile teeth, with that same thing there too, I knew that um, Shensia did a freestyle on Funk Master Flex and you weren't really happy. What happened with that situation, Johnny? All right. So the A&R for Interscope and them type of people are hitting me because they need me to sign a waiver for Hot 97. Mm-hmm. So they're going to use crocodile teeth. So I send crocodile teeth, the original. That's not what me hear on the radio. Them use a lick over one from YouTube because she couldn't fuck with the original one some kind of way. It was throwing her off. So I said, all right, fuck it. You know what I mean? I, it's still my rhythm. It's still the rhythm has to be. So I signed the thing and made her do it. You know, everybody said, thank you, accept them or whatever, whatever. But, you know. And then you go on and you don't even big up the kid or you know we, look I don't want look I care less about a big up mm-hmm. big up Addy big up big up Steve, um Skilly you don't have to say nothing about Johnny I'm good you know but I I didn't I don't believe in that I, I don't believe in that I mean I even if I did a live before that saying let bygones be bygones what do you think I meant by that mm-hmm. you know what I mean let's all right boom you did what you did all right boom let's move on you know. <laughs> the life of Johnny Wonder, boss. Yeah, so, are you guys good right now, or you're doing your thing? Her camp is doing, I'm doing her own my thing. They're doing their thing. Oh, oh, with Chancia's camp. Oh, no, they're doing their thing. I do my thing. No, no, no. Yeah, and you keep it good. Album Crocodile Teeth, you guys put it together. How long did it take for you guys to actually put together that album? Um, I had the Bobby, I had only his verse of Sweet and the Pain. Mm-hmm. And I had to fix it, put Dobby, put Lil Zach on it. And in voice dream, the um the most power, Eastside King. And then he did some of his East Side records. There was four of them. I had six. Mm-hmm. And then fifteen, which was Slingers, and the Spice, which was Masterminds. Mm-hmm. So I had six songs. East Side had four, and they had one each. And uh we basically the way I I do old school. I put the I put the track list up, and I got the I got the I got the cover up with the track list, and we're moving things up and down, and we're taking this one off, and we're moving this over, and we're remixing this. That's how my board looks, you know. <laughs> I, I don't think they've ever seen some shit like that. Oh, th- but then they couldn't do without it. They're like, "Yo, go to the board, go to the board." No, take that, move that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's how I'm used to doing things. I'm used to doing things like that, putting together albums. And, and I'm telling you, it was an album from kind of scratches. I mean, you know, it's like 90% of songs nobody's ever heard before. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not like a compilation that I take from this one, I take from that one, I take from this one. You know what I'm saying? That's a compilation. We did an album. We tried to do it from scratch. You know? And when was release date on the album? October 15th. Okay, so we're talking about mm, a little under two weeks ago. Yeah, How's the album doing right now? 
Well, the album is, you know, um, it's doing okay. You know, it's getting ready to go into the RCA, you know, um, machine, mm-hmm. you know, because he signed to RCA now. They picked up the album. Well, RCA? Mm-hmm. And he signed mm-hmm. to RCA, Sony. Yeah. So it's going to go into that machine now. Mm-hmm. We'll see what that gets, what that puts out. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a couple of songs we think we might run with as singles. I mean, I, they don't have to take my advice. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, but. And even though we know that Crocodile Teeth was the big, big song, but that came out almost one year before the album. How come you guys decided to name the album Crocodile Teeth? Because Crocodile Teeth, the single, got so much traction everywhere. Mm-hmm. That we would be stupid not to call it the Crocodile Teeth album, you know. Mm-hmm. You just we had to just say no. This is the single. This is the album. You know what I mean? Like if you love the single, you're gonna go listen to the album. Mm-hmm. So we, we didn't have to refamiliarize it because it was already familiar. So the people listen. What is this Crocodile Teeth album? Okay. You know, that's why we did it. You know, I did it really wanted to capitalize on that whole wave. Mm-hmm. I'd be stupid not to. Makes sense. I see it. I mean, from I'm disappointed certain ways, but what can you do? Mm-hmm. But again, you know, this is the music business. There is no one magic formula to always make things work the way how Absolutely. you want it to work. Absolutely. I always say that. There's mm-hmm. not one form, you know, it's not a there's no template. Mm-hmm. Every template is different, everything is different all the time. Mm-hmm. Because every record's different from a different person and a different sound and a different, you know, so everything is so much different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. You're you're probably the best person I can answer this question here. What's the real difference between streaming and sales right now in a twenty twenty one? They call market? them um perpetual downloads like so when you go to when you go to um itunes and you buy it and download it that's called a perpetual whatever download Mm -hmm. but streaming you you can you go to it every day and stream Mm -hmm. so with streaming is every day every day people are going on there and you're making money but when you buy it Mm -hmm. you only get one one you only get it paid one time Mm -hmm. you understand people buy it put it on their hard drive they don't have to pay for it no more but if they if they have if they're streaming, you know, every day is a different stream. And then some people have um like a monthly thing where they can stream anything they want, and then that's a whole nother percentage that has to be, you know what I mean? There's so many different there's all right, not not one stream is the same. Let's put it like that. Every okay. stream is different. So it, it's time of day it is, where you are in the world, you know, this, that, the other thing. You know, it's just every stream is different. You can't say this every stream costs X amount because you can't. You can't say mm-hmm. that. So in this right now, in a 2021 type of vibe right now, do sales matter or it's more geared towards stream? What really matters to an artist right now in 2021? Obviously, they're talking about sales matter because if every minute they're running after the sales and not the streams. Mm-hmm. But if you but shouldn't you say, all right, after the first week, you got 150 downloads. But after the first week, you got two million streams. Well, you know what I mean? You can't um, look at the better one instead of, the, you know, like, the, you know what I mean? I look at, instead of looking at the, 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 the negative one. Mm-hmm. So that's I don't know where they're getting to, but something has to be fixed with this whole numbers thing. Now, I mean, we can't understand it. 
Yeah. And are you still putting out, for like um, Crocodile Teeth, did you put out physical CDs or that's just strictly streaming and online? Yeah, I made some CDs, but most likely, I, I, you know, I gave them all the bus drivers in downtown Kingston mm -hmm. and, you know, everywhere. And we just made the buses have them all, you know what I'm saying? And I mean, because we had them and not one person asked for them. Mm -hmm. They asked for maybe two people asked for vinyl. So mm -hmm. what am I supposed to do? Go a minimum two thousand to press up for two people. We can't do that. <laughs> yes, because how I see it right now, it's almost like for independent artists, it's kind of hard to be in the music business because if you were selling CDs back then and you as an independent sold ten thousand, then you're okay. But if but, you're in a major, you have to sell two million and you're okay. It's, but it's with a, streams now, isn't basically everything they put everybody your fan base is everything. Game. It's your yeah. fan base. Your fan mm -hmm. base is everything. It, it, the fan base is going to tell you how much is how you how you're streaming, how you're doing, and it depends on how much fans you got. Mm -hmm. That's the, the 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 holy grail. Build up your fan base, you know, because it's serious. Like, all right, you you coming out, you're making a song, but you don't have you don't have a you don't even have a fan base. You don't even know what where your demographic is and where you're going to start. You have to start from somewhere, so you have to figure that out and build your fan base. Some of the greatest artists are the ones that can build their fan base, you know, and they just have a following. I don't know if they know how to keep their following, but they still they have a big following. And when their stuff comes out, you see the numbers because they support it. You know, those are your soldiers on the front line. <laughs> so that's a big part of the business right now is you have to be able to curate your fan base and know that. Listen, and mobilize them when you need them to move. Exactly. What do you have a fan base for? If mm -hmm. you can't do that, mm -hmm. you know, you know, like you're 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 sitting on a chart, you're sitting at number two or something, number three, you just say, "Fans, we have to push this to number one," and then you push it mm -hmm. and try to get there, mm -hmm. you know. But you have to be able to. You have to. The fans, your fan base is everything. I think. And especially with social media, you have direct contact, like real direct contact. Real direct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Two questions for you before I get you out of here. Okay. What do you find is the biggest difference with artists nowadays opposed to when you just got into the business? Back then, mm -hmm. the artists only wanted to be artists. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, the artists want to be everything. Manager, promoter, bus driver, everything. Mm -hmm. You know? So that I, that is the difference I know from then until now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And the artists. Dick Admiral Bailey wanted to go uh, book his shows. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Or, 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 you know what I mean? So that's the difference I see. And do you find that to be a good thing or a bad thing? Hmm. Well, micro, a lot. I mean, it's too much micromanaging. It, it becomes a nuisance mm -hmm. to me. You know what I mean? When you're really micromanaging everything, it's a nuisance to me. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's good for the artists. It's bad for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Another one problem I find with music right now, and I heard somebody talk about this in a discussion too, is people find that songs aren't really sticking nowadays. Do you find that also? Yeah, it's hard to get one to stick. And I mean, when you're talking about stick, you're talking about the streets, the fans in the streets, the streets. When you talk, that the, the people bring you, the mm -hmm. people, 
if it ain't sticking to the people, that's a problem. That's when did problem. you find that? When do you find that change where music isn't really sticking? Because remember when Showtime came out, you play Showtime from this year till next year, and it's still tearing down the dance. And now you put out something in October by mid-November, we're onto something else. If so long, oh, everything's transient nowadays. That's that's the difference between back then and there. You know, back then you had to take time. You had to go make your stamp or go press up your, go print your labels, go, 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 go press up your records, then get them in the box, go move them over. This, that, you know, now you, know, you just put it up, ting, and bing, that's it. It's up. You know, what are you going to do? So I guess this is just the nature of the beast that we're in right now. It is. It yeah. Is. I mean, it's, I guess, it's a whole new era. I guess it's an elevation, you know, evolving into something else. Mm-hmm. We're evolving, you know, because mm-hmm. Jamaica used to be a very big place to sell vinyl records everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you probably can't even find a brand, a plan open nowadays. Crazy. Cause a lot of it right now, a lot of the Japan market, they love the vinyl and stuff over there. Germany too. Germany too. Mm-hmm. Germany too. They, mm-hmm. they, they have, they have people who, who uh, I guess they do the vinyl for people that, uh, you know, seek it. You know what I mean, and 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 they're 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 you know they uh they collect things so they, you know. And I guess they have plants over there that could do it in smaller batches, so you don't have to do the minimum of the two thousand to really get it. <laughs> I know. You still got to press up. The, you got to get your stamper made. You still got to press your labels. Mm-hmm. That you know. That's a whole process before you even start pressing. A lot of people never even knew that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work. Last one I got for you here. When did you actually learn the business of the business? You've been in it now for like, we'll say 30 plus years. When did you actually learn, okay, this is publishing, this is splits, this is mechanical royalty. When did you learn the business of the business? Mm, when, like, I'll tell you, it wasn't, it wasn't at TV, t- at, at VP. Mm-hmm. When I when I was there, when I was at TVT, I learned a lot more of the business and how the business go. I didn't know what publishing was. I didn't know what this was or that was. I look on my publishing sometimes and I see like songs like, uh, I guess, change like the weather and stuff like that. And I see my little six percent, and you know, I'm like, thank God, I you know, somebody showed me what to do. Mm-hmm. Not that I get any money from that, but I'm just saying, it's like you know. I never knew about those type of things. And I try to help people all the time with that. Mm-hmm. You know, because one thing I thought I had to get administrator. I said, why do I need an administrator when I can do everything myself? You go sign up at, at, at ASCAP, $100 to be a composer and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a publishing company, and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Danny yeah. Wonder. Crazy yes, conversation. Thank you for actually sitting down and letting me see what's inside of the mind of Mr. Johnny Wonder. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a pleasure, Marcel. Definitely. If they want to check you out, they want to on social media or anything, leave some handles where they could check you out. Um Instagram, J Wonder21 with the ST, Facebook, J Wonder21, Twitter, J Wonder21, www.jwonder21.com cmp.world we're all over the place find yeah. us <laughs> any last shout outs big up the floor is yours before i get you out of here i big up everybody in the biz man it's too many people to big up man big up everybody mm-hmm. you know big up everybody and big up yourself 
maximum respect wonder thank you again so uh-huh. much for doing this you understand all right let me give your outro and get you out of here well ladies and gentlemen this is muscle and this has been another two line music cuts entertainment report podcast and we are out this podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com.